Good morning to everyone and happy Easter. We are so glad that you joined us this morning. Welcome to the Oasis Church in Gilbert, Arizona. My name is Jeff Royce. I'm the pastor of the Oasis, and this is Nicole Ainsworth, our worship leader. And we're glad that you again joined us today, especially on Easter Sunday. You know, I can't help but think about the, one of my favorite parts of the Easter story uh, is when the, the gals come back to uh, further anoint Jesus' body and they see the stone rolled away and the angel says to them, he is not here, he is risen. And uh, we hope that you not only have a relationship with the risen Jesus, but that you're just engaged in experiencing him this morning in a special way. And we want to bring that to you as well. You know, we're going to be back one more week uh, looking into the prophet Isaiah. And one of the things uh, that the prophet Isaiah says to the people of God is that even before your circumstances change, that you can be comforted, strengthened, and encouraged simply by getting a fresh view of God, simply by taking a look at God. And so he says to them, here's who our God is. And so I hope today that wherever we're at uh, in our journey, that we will take a fresh look at God today, that we will allow him to illuminate our minds to who he is and to what he's been, to who he is presently, and to what he's going to be for us. Um, and so through our worship today, I just pray that we will have a fresh view of God. Through our time in the Word today, I pray that we will have a fresh view of God. So let's pray and get into our service this morning, shall we? Join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you that, Lord, we are here today and that the life of our Lord Jesus, Lord, pulsates through our being. Lord, we do not believe in or live in, Lord, uh, our life without the life of our Jesus being right there with us. And so, God, I, I pray today that your people, Lord, just as they did in Isaiah's day, would get a fresh view of you. That, God, we would take another look at you today and use our time of worship, use these songs and the words of these songs and use our time in the prophet Isaiah, again, to just direct our hearts, to direct our minds, Lord, to you and to see you, God, for who you are and who you have revealed yourself to us to be. God, would you encourage us today? Would you refresh us? Would you strengthen us, Lord, as only you can do? And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 43 this morning, and this will be the last of these four messages in the prophet Isaiah, and then next week we're going to resume our series uh, in the Gospel of Luke, looking at what it means to follow the Lord and serve the Lord. But I wanted to share these messages. First of all, these four messages were messages that God laid on my heart to share with, with us during this season that we find ourselves in. And today we're going to be seeing that the prophet Isaiah is once again going to try to bring comfort to the troubled hearts of God's people. And yet when we look at the passage that we're going to be examining this morning, there's really nothing new here that we haven't talked about in the previous three weeks. 
And I think one of the things that that reminds us of is this. When you and I go through uh, crisis, when we go through seasons of adversity and hardship, we need to be reassured over and over again and maybe even hear the same things over and over again because a lot of times when we go through times like this, our attention is so distracted from so many things and our minds are going in a million different places at a million different miles an hour and we, we need to be reminded of the same truths over and over and over again. And that's really where the prophet Isaiah is this morning. I want to reduce the message down to five main things about our God. Because again, remember, Isaiah is coming to the people of God who are still in exile, and they're troubled, and they're struggling. And he says to them, look, even before your circumstances change, you can experience strength and comfort and encouragement and refreshment for your souls simply by taking another look at God. Simply by having a fresh view of who our God is. And in that today, we're going to see that God is our creator, that he formed us, that he redeemed us, that he's with us, and that he loves us. In fact, I think what I'd like to do is just have you follow along with me as I read just the first four verses of Isaiah 43. In these verses, we're going to see God's concern for us, his presence with us, and his value of us. Notice the prophet says, now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, O Jacob, and formed you, O Israel. Don't be afraid, for I will protect you. I call you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'm with you. When you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not harm you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Deliverer. I have handed over Egypt as a ransom price, Ethiopia and Seba in place of you, since you are precious and special in my sight, and I love you. I will hand over people in place of you, nations in place of your life. God's people in Babylon had been expressing their anxiety, and so God sends the prophet who was offering comfort to their troubled hearts. And again, you'll notice it's not that their circumstances are getting ready to change. It's that Isaiah is directing their attention to their God. And the prophet wants to tell them about God. If you and I need strength, if you and I need encouragement, if we need refreshment and comfort in our lives, all we simply need to do is take a new, fresh, another look at God. First of all, notice in verse 1, he's the God who created us. Now, this is what the Lord, Jehovah, capital L-O-R-D, says to God's people. The one who created you, literally shaped you, fashioned you. I, I want us also to apply this, that this isn't just speaking about us individually. That God literally shaped and fashioned and created every one of us. None of us would be here apart from God. But that corporately, even as a community today, even the Oasis Church, though we are maybe scattered and separated and each of us in our own homes or here in the auditorium at church, that still God wants to remind us that he's the one who created us. He's the one who shaped us. He's the one who fashioned us together as a community of believers or even as individual believers. 
And if God took the time to do all that, if God took the time to have a blueprint and a design and a plan and a purpose, and God was going to do all that, then God wasn't just going to let us go. God wasn't just going to bring his people up to a point as he did in Isaiah's day and send them as a disciplinary measure into exile and then just leave them there. That's not what God ever intended for his people. And the same thing is true for us today. God is not bringing us into this season and even going to take us through this season without having something wonderful out in front of us for us as God's people to always have hope in and to always look forward to. God didn't create us for this, Isaiah is saying. No matter what season it is, God didn't just create us for this. He has so much more planned for us. In fact, you see that even later here in verse 1 in the word formed. It's a word which speaks about always God having a purpose or plan in mind as he formed us. Think about that, first of all, individually. That the way God formed us, the way he molded us as clay together in his hands was always with the idea that however he formed us, there was a plan or purpose that he had in mind for us as he formed us. And the same thing is true, and the same thing can be applied to us as a community of believers. That again, taking us, the Oasis Church, he's not bringing all of us together and forming us together and not having a plan or purpose in mind for us even as a community of believers, corporately. God always designs, creates, and forms things with a plan or purpose behind it. And so again, the prophet Isaiah is reminding his people, take a look at your God. He's your creator. He's the one who formed us. And this is not the plan or purpose that God ultimately had for his people. So be encouraged by that. God is going to take us through this because he's got more for us than just this. That's why up at the end of verse 1, he says once again to his people, don't be afraid. We've been talking about that throughout the prophet Isaiah. It means don't stand in awe of anyone or anything other than God. Be in awe of God. Fill up our, our vision with God and we won't be in awe of anything else. Because the prophet goes on to say, don't be afraid for I will protect you. I will preserve you. Another translation of this Hebrew word is redeem. But it's not even the same word that's used in the Old Testament normally for redeem. It's the word that's used, say, if you're familiar with the story of Ruth, in the book of Ruth, for the kinsman redeemer, the role that Boaz fulfilled in that wonderful story. You see, the thought of a kinsman redeemer in Bible times was that if there would be a, a, a gal, a woman, who was widowed or or a gal that didn't have anyone to help or protect her, that the nearest kinsman, the, the nearest family member that, that was not married or that could help her in some way would come alongside of her 
and assume the responsibility of taking care of her so that she had someone to watch over her. And it always involved, too, the paying of a price, a ransom price, if you will, a redemption price, either to assume the property that that she was living on, maybe from her previous husband who had died or that she had acquired or whatever, but there always was a price involved. And God is reminding his people, listen, I'm getting ready to redeem you from exile. I'm getting ready to bring you back and to set you free. This is not what I ultimately had planned for you. And so I'm going to protect you and preserve you through this because eventually I'm going to set you free. We need to be reminded that we have been set free as well. We have been redeemed as God's people through the paying of a price. Peter says we were redeemed not with silver and gold like those kind of things from our old life before God, but we were redeemed, set free through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without spot and without blemish. You see, the kinsman redeemer was one who would take upon himself the needs of others as if they were his own. I can't help but think about Jesus in that respect our Redeemer, who took upon himself the needs of his people as if they were his own. And even when it comes to thinking about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Later on, the prophet Isaiah says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The judgment that we deserved, he took on himself. And by his stripes or wounds, we have been healed, made whole. See, he took upon himself the needs of his people that you and I couldn't meet ourselves. We could not redeem ourselves. Jesus came into this world to do that. And the prophet Isaiah is reminding the people of God in the Old Testament and even the people of God now in the New Testament, God is our Redeemer. And if God created us, if He formed us and He redeemed us, if He's went to all of that for us, giving Himself so much for His people, is He just going to not take care of His people? not provide, not protect, not preserve. You see, later on in this chapter, in fact, if you'll look at it, in verse 7, God reminds his people, every one of you that are mine, you belong to me, and I created you for my glory, whom I formed, yes, whom I made. In other words, God is reminding his people, my reputation is at stake in you and with you. I formed you for my glory. Well, if people were to look at the people of God and what condition they're in, if they're in a very shabby state of condition, then God is saying, that reflects on me. And not that God at times throughout the history of Israel or even with the church will not take his people through discipline and times of purifying fire, but it's only again to make them an even better reflection and stronger and clear reflection of him. 
because his reputation is at stake with his people. He has obligated himself. He is holding himself responsible for the condition of his people. Later on in the chapter, in verse 21, he says, And the people whom I formed for myself, I did so so that they might praise me. You see. So the prophet Isaiah is saying, here's comfort for your troubled hearts. Take a view at God. Look at God once again. Remind yourself of the detail and intricacies of our creation by God. That as David wrote in Psalm 139, he literally knit us together in our mother's wombs. He shaped us. He fashioned us. He had a plan and purpose for us. He formed us, again, not just individually, but also corporately. He's brought us into fellowship with other believers for a purpose and plan, and he did so very intentionally and very strategically. He placed us beside each other with a plan and purpose in mind, you see. And he's redeemed all of us and set us free through the blood of Jesus Christ so that we could live for his glory and so that we could worship him and praise him. He says in verse 1, at the very end, the very last phrase of chapter 43, verse 1, I call you by name, you're mine. It's such a mark of individuality. God is saying today, Jeff, you're mine. To you out there, at home today, he's saying, sir, you're mine, and he's calling you by name. He's not just giving a general call. He's naming each one of us by our name. He knows us. And this speaks to more than just he knows our name. There's an intimacy that God is expressing here by saying, I call you by name. For instance, it's the kind of intimacy that only family members or friends have, say, by knowing not just our last name and maybe our initial or first name, but even knowing our middle name or even a nickname or a name that we go by more than the name that we were given. This is the expression that God is giving here. The God of the universe The God who created everything knows all the stars by name, knows your name today. And I hope that that will encourage you and give you strength to know that you individually mean so much to the Lord. In fact, I want to pass over verse 2 and 3, and I want to come down to verse 4. We'll come back to verse 2 in just a moment. He says, since you are precious and special in my sight. Let's not forget that. The word precious means to be prized, to be highly valued. God highly values and prizes each and every one of us. And not just individually also, but as communities of believers, as As the people of God coming corporately together, he values us. He's going to see us as churches and as individuals through this season and this time of adversity and hardship that we are in. 
We are special in his sight. We are literally the apple of God's eye. I love this too. This word special means to be heavy or weighty. In other words, you and I carry weight with God. That's how much he cares for us individually. That's why the Bible says when we cry to him, he's there. He opens up his ears and he's right there running to the cries of his people. And then I love this because he says about us, and I love you. God not only created us and formed us and redeemed us, he loves us. And it is the greatest love that you and I as human beings will ever experience. We will never know a love greater than God's. And God's love is so constant. He can never love us any more than he ever has, and he will never love us any less than he ever has. God's love is something that can always provide stability and security in our life, no matter what season you and I are going through. This reminds us of the great affection that God has for us. In a sense, the prophet Isaiah is saying, God's heart is bursting for you. And if you and I would ever begin to doubt, does God really love me? All we have to do is remind ourselves of a few even verses of Scripture like John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son into this world so that all those who believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Beloved, what love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. The love of God. God loves you today. And nothing, Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter 8, can ever separate us from that Love, no matter what. But then I want to circle back to verse 2. This is where God wanted me, I think, to spend the most time today. It's important that we remind ourselves and take a look at our God and get a fresh view of Him to encourage our heart. He's our Creator. He formed us. He redeemed us. He loved us. That would be enough. But when you and I are going through seasons of adversity and hardship like we are right now, and like the people of Israel were in exile in Babylon, one of the things that gives us that inner strength and that endurance and perseverance to keep on is knowing that God is with us. So I want you to go back to verse 2 and see these words again. God says through the prophet, and when you pass through the waters, I am with you. It's a word that speaks about how near God is, how, how close he is in proximity to his people. He's right there with us. And notice something else in verse 2. God doesn't say to his people, if you pass through the water, if you pass through the streams, if you walk through the fire. No, God says when. It's never a matter on earth if we're going to have to go through these things. It's only a matter of when. Trials will come. Adversity will come. Hardship will come. It's all part of life 
in a fallen world, in a broken world, in a world that is under the curse of sin. It's all part of it. And you and I need to come to that reality even as God's people. But God says, I'll never leave you or abandon you. I will be with you through everything, thick and thin, as we say. So let's stop and think about these and remind ourselves of some of the biblical illustrations and examples of these. First of all, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I am with you. If you go down to verse 16, maybe these are the waters that God is speaking about, the Red Sea moment in Israel's history. When the Egyptian army was pressing, pressing against them and all they had behind them was the Red Sea, and it looked like there was no way. And God says in verse 16 through the prophet, this is what the Lord says, the one who made a road through the sea, a pathway through the surging waters. The prophet Isaiah is reminding his people, not only is God with us, but he will always make a way where there seems to be no way. Never hopeless with God. It's never like we're stuck and we're at a loss for where do we go and how do we get through this. Even if it looks like there's no way out, God will make a way. We must never underestimate our God. Even an ocean isn't too much for God to part so that his people can walk through on dry land and be set free truly from their bondage in Israel. You and I may feel like we're going through very surging waters right now, as high as an ocean. God says, fine, I'm with you every step of the way, and I will make a way through those waters. Then, back up to verse 2, when you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm or conquer you or overcome you. I couldn't help but think again about the Jordan River at flood stage when God is leading his people and saying, you got to cross the Jordan River. At flood stage? Really? Can't we wait till the water goes down? No, it's time. Go across. Because I'm not a God that wants to take my people around things or over things. I want to take my people through things. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. And so the priests and the people of God had to have faith that as they stepped into the surging waters of the River Jordan, that the river was going to part and that they were going to be able to cross on dry ground. And they did. And not one Israelite, not one in all of the thousands who crossed the Jordan River at flood stage was washed downstream. Not one. God didn't lose one because he was with his people. And then... When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Automatically, my thoughts went to Daniel's friends. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, or as they're more commonly known, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar and were thrown into the fiery furnace. A furnace that the Bible says was so hot that even the soldiers of Babylon who were throwing them in were burnt. It was so hot. And yet, after they threw these three young men in there, 
They're looking into the furnace and they go, wait a minute, didn't we throw three in, but there's a fourth in the fire and he looks like the Son of God? Yeah, because that's who our God is. That if God allows us to go into a furnace or go into a fire, God says, I'll be there with you in the fire. I'll be with you. I'm not going to leave you go into the fire and me hanging out there. No, I'll be right there walking around that fire with you. And you know the end of the story. Nebuchadnezzar was shocked and in awe that these men were able to walk around in, in such an environment and they pulled them out. And, and not only were they saved and not burnt, but the Bible even says they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothes. That's a deliverance, my friend. That, that's being able to take somebody through something. And so Isaiah goes on in verse 2 to say, the flames will not harm or consume you. In fact, God is not just a God that can take us through things. He's a God that can bring us back. If you notice in verse 5 of Isaiah 43, the prophet says, don't be afraid for I am with you from the east. I will bring your descendants from the west. I will gather you. In other words, God is even saying, you're all scattered around. I'm going to bring you all back together one day. From the extremities of the earth, God is even looking to the time that, that was in our lifetime where the nation of Israel was reborn again and God brought the Jews back from being scattered all over the world. God not only brings us through, he brings us back. And we're going to need God to bring us back from what we've been through. To, to take us from being sort of separated and scattered and to bring us back again and to, to give us a, a new start in him again, you see. And only God can do this. So I want to go back to verse 16 of chapter 43 where we talked about God making a way where there seems to be no way and that God made a road through the sea, a pathway through the surging waters. And I want us to notice something here too about how this ties into even the day that we celebrate today, our Lord's resurrection Jesus didn't bypass the cross. God didn't take Jesus around death or over death, but through death. In fact, Jesus very resolutely faced his death on the cross. The night that he was being betrayed, he had washed his disciples' feet. He, he had prepared the Last Supper, to, to eat with them in a very intimate moment. And then he gets up and says, come on, we got to go. He knew what was coming, and yet he didn't back down from it. He, he says, I know what I'm getting ready to, to face. And he knew that once he got to the Garden of Gethsemane that night, that Judas would be there. 
that Judas would have those Roman soldiers there to arrest him. He knew what was coming. He knew that denials were coming and rejection was coming and a crown of thorns was coming and a scourging was coming and crucifixion was coming and yet Jesus faced it all because he was setting an example for you and I, his people. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And that it was through death, through death, not avoiding death, but through death, that he could destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil, and set free those of us who would all our lives be subject to a fear of death had Jesus not went through death and subsequently been resurrected. You see, Jesus, by his own example, is saying, we've got to go through things in our lives. We've got to go through things. We can't pretend like they're not there. God won't take us around them. He won't take us over them. He wants us to learn just as Jesus gave us that example that we're going to go through it because we want to be a testimony and a witness that there's nothing greater than God and his sovereignty and his power and that he has created us, he has formed us, he's redeemed us, he loves us, and he is with us and that there's nothing that can conquer the people of God when we follow him. Even in to the deep waters, even into the surging waters, even into the fires of life, even into death itself, God will be with us and we will get through it. In fact, the psalmist tells us in that very famous passage of Scripture, Psalm 23, that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not going to need to be afraid because he's with us. And he literally will hold our hand that that moment in our life where we transition from life on earth to life in glory. He's taking us through. He's taking us through. In fact, you see that word over and over again throughout this passage, do you not? In verse 2, three times you see the word through, through the waters, through the streams, and through the fire. And then in verse 16, through the sea and through the surging waters. That's the plan and purpose of God for his people. There's a verse in the New Testament that is, I think, misunderstood by even many Christians. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 12. It's a verse that many have adopted and, and they say, well, I keep clinging to the, to the promise in the Bible that God will never give us more than what we can bear. And they base that statement on 1 Corinthians 10, 12. But if you were to examine that verse and study that verse, that's not what that verse says. In fact, if you and I would just pause to think about that for a while, I think we would realize that most of life is beyond what you and I can handle. There's a lot of things in life that you and I can't handle, you see. God never promised us that that there wouldn't be things that we can't handle, but he did say, but the things in life that you can't handle, I'll be with you 
And I will enable you to get through those things that you on your own cannot handle. So that's why if you look at 1 Corinthians 10, 12 a little bit closer, Paul says to the Corinthians, he will make a way for us to go through whatever we're bearing at that moment so that we can endure it so that we can persevere, so that we can, again, get through it. That's the concept, get through it. It's not that God will not permit things that are bigger than us or beyond our ability to be able to endure, but that God will, with the things that are beyond our ability to endure, always make a way. And even at times make a way where there seems to be no way. God's doing that right now, even in this season. God is saying to his people, I, I know that you're going through a really difficult, hard time right now. There are many challenges. But know this, I didn't create you or form you for this. And I will redeem you. I will protect you and preserve you. I love you. And I am with you every step of the way. And with me, you're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. Because God has designed his people to be what I call a through people. Not an around people, not an avoiding people, but a through people. A people who can face the harshest realities that life will bring and realize that God can get us through. That's even why Paul said to the Thessalonians that even when we lose those that we love so dearly on this earth, that we grieve, but we grieve as those who have hope. Because even in death, and even being separated from those we love, God gives us what we need to get through it and to have hope. Now, one more thing. Why? Why does God do this? If we are God's people, if we are God's people, we better get used to going through things. And the reason is because God wants to equip his people to help others to go through things. Now, that's not the only reason that we should get used to going through things. And it's not the only reason why God allows his people to go through things. One of the main reasons is because we bring God glory and we praise him when others witness and see us being able to go through things only because of God. But another reason why God wants to take his people through things is so that we can be equipped to help others to go through things. You can leave Isaiah 43. We won't be coming back there this morning, but I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want you to see this principle 
that Paul lays out for the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 3. First of all, Paul says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Isaiah was trying to comfort the troubled hearts of God's people in his day. Paul was trying to comfort the hearts of his people in his day. God wants me and others to be instruments in his hands to try to bring comfort and strength and encouragement to God's people today. And God is the God of all comfort. However much comfort we need, God will give it. Whatever level of comfort we need, God will more than match it. But then notice this. Verse 4. He comforts us in all of our troubles, all of our deep waters, all of our surging waters, all of our fires that we will have to pass through so that we may be able to comfort those experiencing any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God wants his people to be a through people. It is God's design and purpose that we allow him to take us through things, not only so that we can bring him glory and show the world around us that nothing can conquer and overwhelm and overcome the people of God. But he also wants to take his people through things so that we are better equipped to be able to help others to go through things. See, when you and I go through similar circumstances that we hear others are dealing with, then God takes us and brings us alongside of those who are going through similar circumstances so that we can literally sit across a table from them and look them eyeball to eyeball and say, I know what you're feeling. I know, you know what, what, what's going on inside of you because I went through the same thing that you're going through right now. And I want to tell you and be a witness and testify to you that my God brought me through that. And because God brought me through, I know God can bring you through it as well. And we can provide a comfort and an encouragement and a strength to others, not because we didn't go through anything, but because we did go through these things, you see. God is building us up to be an army of helpers, an army of supporters, an army of encouragers. Because life, it's not a matter of if we go through the waters. It's not a matter of if we go through the fires. It's only a matter of when. And God wants us to learn as his people that not only can we get through it because he's with us, and he loves us. But he wants us to go through it so that we can help others to get through it as well. Let's pray. God, thank you for all these reassurances, Lord, that you give us in your word. If we would just pause and take time to just take a look at you to have a fresh view of you, God, every day. To let you 
illuminate our minds and our hearts as to who you are and what your plans and purposes are, God, we could be encouraged. We could be strengthened. We could be comforted. And I pray today through the words of the prophet Isaiah written thousands of years ago, God, that we got a fresh look at you today. That we were reminded you created us, you formed us, you redeemed us, you love us, and you are with us when we go through the waters, when we go through the fires. And God, we're going to get through this because you're with us. And you will give us everything as your people that we need and more than what we need to get through. And not only, Lord, to be able to get to the other side and say, we made it, but to be able to equip us, Lord, to be able to help others along life's way when they go through the same things that we're going through. I think we as the church have such a tremendous opportunity right now in this season that we are in because there's so many people who are struggling to get through this season. And you and I as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the gates of hell have been promised will not prevail against us, that we need to be out there showing people that you can get through this with God. God is our strength. God is our rock. God is our fortress. And that he's not only going to get us through, but he's going to equip us to help others to get through it as well. God, would you encourage us? Would you refresh us? Would you comfort us, Lord, as we lean into you, God? Because we can't do this without you, God. We will drown in the waters without you. But with you, like Peter, we can walk on top of those waters. Help us, Lord, to draw near to you today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Again, we thank you for joining us this morning. A couple things I want to share with you before we leave this morning. Again, don't forget to join us Wednesday night, 7 p.m., right here from the Oasis Church in Gilbert. We'll be live streaming our midweek service again and uh, going through the book of Colossians. And Nicole's going to have, again, wonderful time of worship for us. And then uh, the blog out there on our website uh, is to be a, an encouragement for you. I'm also uh, sending out some other extra messages from myself that you'll be seeing in the next couple weeks as well. And I wanted to let you know about something new. Uh, many of you are already uh, hooked into my son Steve's uh, web uh, site called rooted.productions. And that's all it is, is rooted.productions. Well, tomorrow, he's actually going to start sharing a little bit of, a, of, of more encouragement for us during this time as well, a five-minute word study, devotional, or Bible insight every weekday beginning tomorrow, Monday, April 13th. He's calling it Fruit Snacks. And so uh, we hope that you will join uh, him at rooted.productions. I know he would appreciate uh, that as well. And I just want to say thank you to all of the folks that are making this possible weekend and week out, and also my wonderful partner, Nicole. It's great to be able to do this with her during this season, too. And we're just continuing to pray and hope that we'll see you and be back together with you soon. Hope you have a wonderful uh, Easter weekend. Uh, 
what's left of it with your family. And uh, again, hope to see you all back here on Wednesday night. Thanks for joining us today. God bless.